0: All right, good morning, familia. The scripture for today comes from the book of Hebrews, and we're going to be reading Hebrews verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to read verse 21. Hebrews verses 1 and 2, and then we're going to read uh, verse 21. And this is the word of the Lord. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshiped as he leaned on top of his staff. Lord, I pray that you use your word this morning to bring glory to your name, joy to your people, and salvation to those far from you. We know, Lord, that you change and speak and transform through the power of your word. Please make it happen. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And we all say, amen. All right, so for the last few weeks, we have been going through a series called By Faith uh, based on one chapter of the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. And for those of you that are type A personality and you have been walking with us through this series, you probably noticed that we skipped a whole person from the list of Hebrews 11. And my sister is saying, yes, you did. Um, And it's the person of Abraham. And the reason why we are skipping through him is not because we don't want to talk about him, but because in the summer we are going to dedicate, I think, like seven weeks to him and him alone. So we don't want to talk about him now and then come back in the summer and talk to him about him again. So if you really want to hear about that very important person in the Bible, come back in the summer. All right? Um, And then you're going to get to hear about him. Now, what we have here in Hebrews 11 is a very interesting thing because, um, as you probably heard before, Hebrews was written to a group of uh, people that are suffering uh, because of their faith. And they are being persecuted, and they're losing their possessions, and some of them are being executed. Um, And the author of Hebrews um, writes Hebrews 11 with something in mind. He uses characters or people from the Old Testament that have gone through uh, things that none of us, I think, have gone through and probably will never go through to teach us what real faith looks like, real Christian faith looks like. And, uh, and what he wants to teach us here with this group of people is that faith in God is the most secure. The most reliable and the most practical thing we have. You know, there were, let me say that again. That having faith in God is the most secure, the most reliable, and the most practical thing we could have. Even when we struggle. Even when we are being persecuted. Even when some people are being um, executed. There's nothing that makes a difference in the heart of a person more than having faith in god so i think that the author is uh, making a case here because he wants us to see that having faith is not just a religious thing it's a real thing it's a powerful thing and that's why we have been going through so last week we talked about noah the first week we gave you the definition of faith last week we talked about noah and today we're going to talk about jacob so just for the sake of me knowing how many of you guys know the story, how many of you guys know the story of Jacob? Please raise your hand. All right, so let's pray. I don't have to preach. You know it all. Um, but I want to show you something that maybe, just maybe, you, you didn't notice before. Um, and what I want you to see is that for Jacob, the life of faith is in direct connection to the concept of blessing. To live a life of faith is for you to understand and believe what it means to be blessed, blessed by God. And I think that that's the reason why in Hebrews 11 verse 21, we see Jacob blessing his grandchildren. Now, if you know anything about Jacob, you know that he, he was a man that learned really slow. Like he was a man that struggled for a long time. Then that leads me to believe that when he comes here in verse chapter eleven, verse twenty-one of the book of Hebrews, when he's saying the word, he's pronouncing the word blessing, he's pronouncing the word blessing upon his grandchildren. Now he finally gets a good understanding of what it means to be blessed by God. And I want to argue that every single person in this room wants to be blessed. And needs to be blessed. And I want to argue that every single one of us here in this room need to understand and believe that God is a God of blessings. And I want to argue, and I want you to understand that every single one of us here must believe that God will do anything to bless you. And I want everyone to understand, and I want to argue that if you are a Christian, you have been already blessed. But to come to that, that understanding takes, takes a while. So in a way, we are all like Jacob. We are all people that need a blessing, want a blessing, understand that God blesses, and yet we still struggle. So this is what I want to do with us this morning. I have four points for you. Four points. 30 minutes each point. We're going to talk about the Jacob pursuing a blessing, Jacob experiencing a blessing, Jacob wrestling for a blessing, and Jacob and the source of all blessings. And I promise I'll stick to my time. Let's go with the first one, Jacob pursuing a blessing. I want to start by giving you a definition of what a blessing is, because I think that we all have different definitions of what a true biblical definition, uh, blessing is. Um, usually when we think of a blessing, we think in terms of happiness. State of happiness. And I think that's a good definition, but it's an incomplete definition. Because we usually think of happiness in terms of an emotion, of feelings, right? Like if you feel that you have been blessed, then you say that you have been blessed. But I don't think that that's what the Bible talks about when it talks about a person being blessed. It's more than an emotion. It's probably, it's probably not less than an emotion, but it has to be more than an emotion. Because when you look at the concept of blessing all throughout the Bible, it gives you this idea that it's more, it's more like a sense of fulfillment, or a sense of satisfaction, or a sense of complete joy, or even a sense of worthiness. So if a person is, a, is experiencing fulfillment, satisfaction, joy, and a sense of worthiness, that's what it means to be a blessed person in the Bible, Actually, one of the scholars that I, that I read this week, he was saying that you could know when a person is truly blessed, and I want you to pay attention really well, when that person is envied, congratulated, and imitated. It's when you have this thing, this conviction, this experience in such a way that your enemies envy you. Your friends and your relatives congratulate you. And the younger generation imitate you. I just made that up, by the way. That's pretty good, too. (laughs) That's what it means to be a blessed person. And I want to argue that that's what Jacob was always looking for. Just as much you and I have been looking for it. So the first time that we see uh, that we know anything about Jacob, it happens in Genesis chapter 25. Um, I'm going to put the, the, the verse on the screen, but this is God is speaking to Rebekah prior to Jacob being born. And this is what the Lord tells Rebekah, his, his mom, two nations are in your womb And two people from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. And the older will serve the younger. And the reason why I want to start there is because right from the beginning, God makes a prophecy or God is saying something about Jacob. See, in this verse, Jacob is the younger brother. And in this verse, God is saying that he's got a special plan for Jacob. And in this verse alone, right from the beginning, God says that he's going to make of Jacob the leader of the family. That's why he says that the younger, the older will serve the younger. But you have to understand the significance of that because in, in that time and in that culture, that would never happen. You would never put anybody else besides the older brother in charge of the family because being first in the family meant that you had the position a position of honor means that the whole family would have to respect you but it also meant that you had the responsibility as the head of the family to protect the family to provide for the family and to represent the family so big responsibility but it was also a great honor, and God says that that's exactly what God has for Jacob. Right from the beginning, you know, in, in a way that God had already blessed Jacob, even before he was born. And I also know this to be true because of the name Jacob, and I know that we usually hear the term the name Jacob, and we uh, because there's a verse that says that it means to be a cheater. But that's how Jacob destroyed his name. Actually, one of the scholars, Derek Kintner, that, uh, one of the scholars that I was checking, he was saying that the name Jacob means, may God be, that God is your rear guard, meaning that God will protect you, that God is with you, that God is for you. This is all prior to Jacob becoming Jacob. Right from the beginning of the story, we know that God has a special plan for these young men. Right from the beginning of the story, we know that God had already chosen to bless these men. But if you know anything about the story, you know that everyone in that family, even though they knew that this was true, they all struggled believing that this was true. So the father struggled with that, Isaac. The mother struggled with this, Rebecca. The the twin brother, Isaiah, struggled with this, and even Jacob struggled with this because it is so much easier to hear something than to believe something. And for the rest of his life, as you're gonna see in a second, he was always pursuing this um, unquenchable desire to feel worthy, to feel a sense of fulfillment, to feel satisfaction, and to feel joy. And you know what he does? He does what some of us always do. You try to buy it. I'm not saying you, but maybe you. Jacob shows us that when, if we don't have that, the first reaction as a human being is to try to buy it. And you see that in Genesis chapter 25, verses 31 and 32. This is Esau coming back from work. This is the context. And he's hungry. You know the story right? And, uh, and, uh, and Jacob takes this as an opportunity, and he says, all right, I'm going to give you food, but this is what he says. First, sell me your birthright. Now, I want you to stop there for a second, because he already had the first right, the birthright. God had already given it to him, but Esau is struggling with that, and Jacob is struggling with that, and the text tells us that Esau didn't care. And he says, What good is the birthright to me? And he sold it to him for a plate of food. And this is what is crazy about this that Jacob is trying to buy something that cannot be purchased. This is the irony of the story that you cannot purchase blessings. It doesn't matter how much you buy, it doesn't matter how much you try. You could never actually buy enough for you to feel this sense of worthiness, this sense of fulfillment, this sense of security, this sense of joy. It doesn't matter how much you buy. It's just never enough. And you know that to be true. Even if you live in the American dream, you know that that is not true. You know how you know that? It's because it's never enough. There's, something, there's always something new to buy. There's, something, always something, there's always something new to achieve. It's just never enough. That's the problem I have when we reduced the blessings of God to material things. How are you doing today? Oh, blessed. Why? I got this house. That is so cheap. That's why I struggle so much when we reduced the blessings of God to achievements and to titles and positions. That's why you struggle so much when we reduced the blessings of God to anything you could buy with a dollar bill. You could have it all, and yet you know that it's never enough. That's Jacob. And that's probably some of us here today. Well, buying didn't work, so he had to do something else. And now he moves into trying to deceive for a blessing. And this is a part when we go to Genesis chapter 27. And if you know the context of the story, you know that Isaac already has certain preferences toward Esau. That was his favorite son. And even though he knows that God wants to bless Jacob... Before he blesses Esau, he tells Jacob, How about if you go and get me some food and come back and bring me food? And when you come back, I'm going to bless you. And Rebecca, that also has preferences, Jacob, says, Well, I'm not going to let that happen. Not my baby, not my little baby. So she cooks the food and he says, Go in, and it's still the blessing that your father wants to give your brother. And this is what it says, verse 19. And Jacob said to the father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Now, you've got to remember that Isaac right now is really, is, is advancing years. Probably he has a hard time uh, seeing right now. And this is what the text says. Verse 24. Are you really my son Esau? And he asked. He asked. And he says, I am. He replied, come here my son and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. And Isaac caught the smell of his clothes. And blessed him. And here we see Jacob doing something that probably some of us do. Probably. Probably. See, buying a blessing might not work. But working for a blessing might do it. He thought that he could work his way into a blessing. You know, verse 27 for me is the saddest, uh, one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible. Because there you find these broken men wanting to find fulfillment wanting to find worth and joy and security this man craving something big craving the approval of his father and this is what happens he kissed him and he gets the blessing and for the rest of his life he knows that he received a blessing that his father didn't want to give him. Isn't that a crazy thing? That's a crazy thing. Trying to find a worth and fulfillment and joy and satisfaction by deceiving his father, receiving a blessing knowing. That his father didn't even want to give it to him. And you see the implications of that for the rest of his life. Because you cannot work to get a blessing. Because it's not enough. See, buying a blessing would not work because it's not enough, and working for a blessing was not enough because it doesn't work. It's just not enough. When I think of this, I realize that I, that I struggle with that. And I, and I think that some of us struggle with that, even if you're a Christian. But what I realize is that this is not just a Christian issue. This is an issue that we all have. This is part of what it means to be a human being. We are always trying to find something that will give us this sense of worth, of worthiness. Interesting, this week, um, well, actually for the last two weeks, I've been watching a doc- uh, this documentary called Free Solo. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but uh, it was actually the documentary that won the Oscar, the Oscar this year for documentaries. And it's about these professional, I watched I the watched documentary three times. And I don't like climbing. The, 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 I didn't tell you, the, the documentary is about these professional rock climbers. Someone in, the, in his 30s that wants to uh, climb uh, this huge mountain, if you will, uh, in California called El Capitan, which is this huge thing that is about 3,600 feet uh, ver- in a vertical thing. You know, super, it's humongous. The idea of the free solo is that you climb but without a rope. Um, and it has been fascinating for me to see why is it that this guy does this. And what is interesting, so th- they record the whole thing from the preparation. It takes him like, like eight years. He was thinking about this for eight years. That was his dream, right? And so they talk about the preparation and the struggles that he goes back and forth. And, 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 and it seems like if this guy, there's something wrong with this guy. But there's nothing wrong with the guy. He's, I, I think that he's got a heart issue. And the reason why I say that is because as, as the interview goes, he says a couple of things that, that really caught my attention. He says that when he was growing up, his mom taught him, and I want you to check if this is you, okay? His mom uh, taught him that being good was not good enough, that you always had to be the best. Have you heard that before? Have you ever said that to your kids? And then he says that this was the driving motive for him wanting to do this crazy thing. You know what it means to climb 3,600 feet in a wall with no rope whatsoever? So the last 15 minutes of the documentary is them showing him climbing this thing. And for 15 minutes, three times, I'm sweating like crazy. And I keep why, why am I still watching this thing? <laughs> For the third time! <laughs> but I, I think I realized why I did it. Because in, in one of the interviews, he says, it's all about performance, it's about being a warrior, it's about facing your fears and conquering your fears. It's about performance. So he climbs this thing, and everyone is super happy, and he's happy. And right at the end of the film, they are, they, they, they are interviewing him again, and they said, would you do something like that again? Is there something bigger for you to do? And he says, well, no, not me. I don't think I'm ever going to do that. And then he says, wait, no, well, maybe, I don't know. And right there, you noticed The climbing was his blessing. That was the place where he found fulfillment and worthiness and satisfaction and joy. You know what the problem is? That it was not enough. Just as it is not enough for you. And it will never be enough. You cannot buy a blessing you cannot work for a blessing you cannot purchase a, you cannot earn a blessing you are trying to do things that that will not guarantee for you this sense of being blessed well the story continues because now we go to point number two and we see jacob's experiencing a blessing for the first time What is interesting, though, and what I want to show you right now, is that at the beginning, he thought that he could create or buy or perform all this type of blessing. But now, he actually has an understanding that the blessing must come from God. The problem, though, is that he reduced his definition of a blessing uh, to just receiving things from God. And I want to show you, this is Genesis chapter 28. This is God telling, telling him... I am the Lord, I will give you and your descendants the land, your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, I am with you and will watch over you, I will bring you back to this land, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And in a way, this is God telling Jacob, reconfirming to Jacob, the original plan he had revealed his mother years ago. This is God reminding Jacob that he was Jacob and that God was for him and with him and that God will fulfill his purposes for his life. But I want you to see how Jacob responds. Starting in verse 20, if God will be, if God will be with me and will watch over me and this journey I'm taking and he will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, pay attention to one word, then the Lord will be my God. Can you see it? Yeah, his definition of blessing is changing a little bit. But now he thinks that to be blessed is to receive things from God. But if you notice, this is the typical religious behavior. Is to, to want the things that God gives without the heart of God. It is him telling God, I love what you're going to do for me. I just don't love you. And I think that many of us might operate that way. In, in which we feel close to God when He responds to your prayers. Or that you think that God is for you when He gives you things. Or if you think that because you do good things, God will give you good things. So you come to church and you serve and you give money and you do whatever. And somehow, maybe, just maybe, you think that when you do that, then God will give you the things that you so much want. Do you know what the problem is? The book of Hebrews. This is faithful people, and yet they're suffering. You know what the problem is? Jesus Christ. He was a faithful God, faithful servant, and yet he died. You know what the problem is? The disciples of Jesus Christ. They followed Jesus and they all got executed. You know what the problem is is that we have reduced the blessing of God to just the good, just the good things He gives us, but not God. That's not the God of the Bible, you know? The greatest blessing is, blessings are not the things that God gives you. The greatest blessing has got to be something else. Jacob didn't need to buy a blessing. He didn't need to deceive for a blessing. He didn't need to work for a blessing. He didn't need to earn a blessing. Jacob needed something else. And the story continues. And point number three, we, we look at Jacob wrestling for a blessing. Now, this is a part in which I think everything changes completely. So Jacob, after 20-something years, is ready to go back home. And he knows that his brother is really upset with him. And he knows that there's a slight possibility that, he wants, that Esau wants to kill him. So right before he goes into this, right before he has this encounter with his brother, he takes a time kind of to separate himself, to spend time, I would say to think but it's during that time that the the God meets him and then you go to Genesis chapter 32 and he says that when Jacob was left alone a man wrestled with him until daybreak when the man saw that he could not overpower him he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wretched and he wrestled with the man at a first glance, it seems like if Jacob is fighting with a regular man until he realizes that the only thing these men did to completely destroy him was to touch him. That word touch changed everything for him. All scholars would agree that that encounter Completely changed Jacob once and for all. Something happened. Somehow that night that he finally realized the blessings cannot be bought. They cannot be worked for and they cannot be earned. They must come from God. And that God himself is the ultimate blessing. You know how I know that? Not from this text, but from Hosea chapter 12. Because Hosea chapter 12 tells this story. And he says that after uh, uh, Jacob has an encounter with God, it says that he wept and begged God for a blessing. And this is what he realized that night. That he was a complete helpless man. That night he learned. That the only way you 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 embrace God is when you humbled yourself. And that night he understood that the only true blessing is when you get God. And if you notice in chapter 32, verses 20, verse 26, he says, I would not let you go unless you bless me. Now, why spend all this time here? Why go through this journey? It's because I think that we have to come to the conclusion and truly, truly believe that the greatest blessings of all is to have God. It's always good to have the stuff that he gives us. But the greatest blessings of all is to have him. There is no greater blessing than to have the creator of the world as your God. There is no greater blessing in the world than to have him, the one that is powerful, almighty, eternal, For you and not against you. That is the greatest blessing. And that's what changed Jacob's life completely. And I love the way Nancy Guthrie, um, she wrote a book called The Promised One. And this is what she says. This is what she says God did for Jacob. To Jacob's heart, God was prepared to dislocate Jacob's hip. For God to have our heart sometimes requires the divine dislocation of whatever it is that makes us strong. That's what you and I need, and this led me to remember this beautiful Puritan uh, prayer called the Valley of Vision, in which this prayer says, "Let me learn the paradox. Uh, let Let me learn by paradox that the way down is the way up, that to be low is to be high, that to be broken heart is to be healed heart." That the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit. That the the repenting soul is the victorious soul. That to have nothing is to possess it all. That to bear the cross is to wear a crown. That to give is to receive. That the valley is the place of vision. Let me find thy light in my darkness, thy life in my death. Thy joy in my sorrow. Thy grace in my sin. Thy riches in my poverty. Thy glory in my, valley, in my valley. That's exactly what Jacob went through. And right after that, in verse 28, God changed his name. You know what that means? New nature, new identity, new person. Now, you listen to all of this and you say, well, what does that have to do with me? How does this help if I'm going through difficult times and difficult situations? And what I have been arguing when you look at the book of Hebrews is that the the whole book of Hebrews is about Jesus. And if you were here two weeks ago when I did the intro to this series, I, I told you that the book of Hebrews spends ten and a half chapters talking about Jesus. And that when we get to chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, the, the author is not changing the topic. He's not saying, all right, believe in Jesus, and now be like these people that are faithful believers. That couldn't be. I think that the reason why the first 10 and a half chapters talk about Jesus, and when you get to chapter 11, is because the author wants us to believe what every single one of these people believed. And because the author wants us to see Jesus through every single one of those characters. And this is what I want you to see today. That Jacob was the person, one of the people, From whom Jesus came. And this is point number four. And Jesus is the source of all blessings. So listen up. The author wants you to believe what Jacob believed. The author wants you to believe that the source of all blessings is God. The author wants you to believe what Jacob believed. That the greatest blessings is not the things that we get from God, but that he is God himself. And that God Himself was fully revealed in Jesus Christ, which is the better Jacob and the greater Jacob. And the reason why you say that is because even though Jacob was full of greed and deceit, Jesus was full of grace and truth. And because Jesus even, even because Jacob, even though he was willing to buy, work, and earn a blessing, Jesus was willing to drop it all. Drop all all his blessings to become a human being, to go to the cross, to take your punishment, so you received a blessing. Because the author wants you to see that even though Jacob wrestled alone uh, through the night we got to get a blessing, Jesus wrestled alone in the Garden of Gethsemane for you to gain a blessing. See, when we see the life of Jacob, it's not for you to say, man, I want to be like him. By the way, you shouldn't be like him example but what the author of hebrews is calling us to do is to believe what he believed that the greatest blessing the most powerful blessing the most secure blessing the most practical blessing is to rest in god and with this i finished if you were looking for worthiness and fulfillment and satisfaction and joy did you know that that's what you have in Jesus Christ? Colossians chapter 1 says that we have all the blessings in him. If you want to have what changed Jacob's life, you must have Jesus. If you want to remember that God is, not, is, is for you and not in against you, you've got to have Jesus. If you really want to start pursuing things that will never satisfy you, you've got to have Jesus. And you know who needs to hear that message? Christians. Of course, non Christians need to hear it. But the book of Hebrews was written to Christians. Do you have that? Is Jesus your satisfaction, your worthiness, your joy, and your fulfillment? That's what it means to live by faith. Understand and believe that everything that you could possibly want, you already have in him, the greater and better Jacob. Amen? Can you do me a favor? Can you please stand? And before I pray for us, um, I want to invite you to two things. Number one, if you you need a prayer today, please come to the front. Our prayer team is going to be here uh, to pray for you and to pray with you. The second thing that I want to invite you for is, there is a phrase that we usually use as Christians all the time. We say, God is in control. Have you heard of that before? That is so true. It's just hard to believe. And I want you to come back and invite somebody else that probably needs to hear that message because we're going to be talking about Jake, uh, Joseph. And his life is the perfect example of what he means when we say that God is in control. Let's pray. Beautiful Savior, we come before you acknowledging that you are the Almighty and the source of all of our blessings. Lord, we recognize that we all struggle somehow trying to pursue something, trying to buy something, trying to work for something, and sometimes forgetting or ignoring that the greatest blessing is to have you as the source of all blessings. And that you made those blessings available to us in Jesus Christ. And that he is our greatest blessing. And as we live here today, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you give us the ability to see, the gift to believe, and the conviction to embrace who we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, and I pray, Lord, that you bless this group of people and you keep them. That you make your face shine on them and be gracious to them. That you turn your face toward them and give them peace. In the name of Jesus we pray. And we all say, thanks for coming. Have a blessed day.